With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast. Well, being a singer-songwriter sometimes is a lot like being a lot of things. I'm a painter, as you can see. Um, and a lot of the same things that work in recording music work with painting, layering stuff, breaking things down, becoming more minimal, becoming busy. All these concepts sort of feed each other when you're sort of shifting between works of art. Um, but I think one of the things that is most like songwriting is architecture, building a foundation, a plan of what kind of building you want to make. And, and my next guest started out as an architect and has built incredible recording studios. He lives in Mexico City. His name is Chris Cohen. The introspective lyrics and atmospheric vocals of Chris Cohen's shoegaze songs create an awareness moment, a reminder of enjoying the present, the now to appreciate that nothing is permanent and death can come at any time. His brother passed away, which led him to becoming a singer-songwriter. The freer from our attachments we are, the happier our life will be, he says. He's here with us now. Chris Cohen, you're an architect and a singer-songwriter. Thank you for coming on the show. How is it going? Thank you very much, Joe. Really happy to be here with you. Thanks very much for the invitation. Really happy to have you here. I I'm uh, been spending a lot of time concentrating on being more present in in the now moment. You know, Eckhart Tolle is real famous for exactly the power of, power now. of now. There's all kinds of people who talk about this sort of overcoming mental noise and getting into the moment, being present. That's you know, if you listen to Jesse Lee Peterson, he's pretty controversial. But he talks a lot about that. He thinks all thoughts are all lies all the time about everything is one of his famous phrases. I'm not so sure I go that far with it, but I understand the point that that we're supposed to try to be present as much as possible. Why are you, um, as as it says in your bio, dedicated to the now? Um, well, probably um, the quest started when my brother passed away. Um, I think it uh, brought me to to value uh, life and and the most important things in life. So um, after he passed away, um, I always been very fond and connected to music. Um, but um, I really felt uh, I needed to express and heal myself. And I realized that uh, we're always like, with this mental chatter and the monkey mind working on our thoughts and on our feelings. And, and now 20 years after his death, uh, I believe um, my, my mission in this world is like to share this um, awareness uh, to spread um, this connection between staying present and practicing death. Um, because always um, death can be like a, a negative uh, can have a, a negative connotation and i think um like the more we practice it on a same way on a spiritual way like we're dying every day um not only in our bodies but in the moments the days this interview will die 
then in a couple of hours, well, in an hour, um, the music dies, um, our relationships are this year will die tomorrow. Uh, so the more we practice and stay present in this moment, the, the happier we'll be. I think uh, everybody in this world wants to be happy. Um, and so my my quest is to to remind uh, people to to stay present and then more we are unattached from our belief, from our possessions, from our relationships, the freer we'll be and the happier we'll be. I don't know that everybody wants to be happy. I think everybody wants to be peace, at peace. At peace. I think peace encompasses happiness. Peace encompasses so much, you know, happy is an emotional state and emotional yeah. states fluctuate just by their nature. But peace feels like it's something that's attainable. You know, these people like Eckhart Tolle, they, you know, make millions of dollars talking about just get in the moment, be in the now. And it's it's not so much to be happy. I think it's more to find peace. Yeah, the contentment in life. I mean, yeah, exactly. As you say, happiness probably is only like a, a positive connotation and sadness is the, the negative. But uh, I mean, happy as a content way to see the positive and the negative and stay okay and be, as you say, at peace with it. And when you say practice death, I guess that's taken from the Stoics. I think Marcus Aurelius always talked about contemplating your death as a positive thing because yeah, I, I had a flash of it over Christmas. I, I think I, I visited my family in New York and um, there was a lot of sleeplessness because of flights and it was a, a whirlwind trip. We were only there for 48 hours Okay, and there was a moment you sometimes you get struck by these moments where I was like, oh man, you're going to die. And it was that practice of death thing you're talking about when you, when it really lands on you, that awareness. And what does this mean? What does this journey mean to you? I mean, you're, you lost your brother in a car accident. I mean, how did that change you? Um, probably connected me to music a lot. Um, I think my, I've, I never went to like to therapy afterwards, but I, I find, I found a refugee on the music and, and, my, and the healing process of connecting with, uh, something much bigger than myself. And I, and I believe like, um, in that way, music changed my life. And in that way I connected and, and realized I needed to share my music for other people also to heal themselves while listening to, to this music. There is this um, uh, saying that in silence we connect, like when we're meditating, uh, when we're in silence, we're all connected. And, and so uh, both in my music and in architecture, my intention is to remove notes in, in music and in, in architecture to remove elements so when you get to to this uh, moment you you really enjoy your like your levels of uh, thoughts and everything like goes down so you can have a higher frequency how did you get into architecture that seems like such an interesting field it's also seems complicated because in order to actually build something i guess you would need tons of money it reminds me of being in the 
film industry. I mean, with music, especially these days, you just need a laptop. I mean, I think Dan Lanois said you could make an album in an uh, airplane bathroom, which I thought was kind of funny. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, he's right. You really could. Um, so you don't need backing from people and all that kind of stuff to get an album made. Uh, but with building something, I would imagine, you know, you need all kinds of opportunity and resources and people that actually back it. You're not going to fund your own building project. Why did you choose architecture and explain the differences between that and music? Um, since a kid, I, I was really interested in drawing sketches and I really always saw my, my parents and when they had a project, like they wanted to, to change homes or or I think I was really fond and connected to to see how um, a space can change the the mood of someone. So that's like wh why I, I studied architecture. And if, as you say, you need like to, to get funds to to create a project. It's it's uh, you need the trust of people to invest their money. Um, but uh, fortunately, I've I've have. Uh, nice opportunities with friends and and people that have seen my work and it started like uh, going almost by itself like people recommend me from one project to another and so um, the path has been uh, really interesting and regarding uh, your question uh, with the relationship to, to music uh, I think they're really really similar in different ways uh, for example, they both work uh, with rhythm, like on, on music, it's clear like the rhythm, the beat map, the beat you want to add to a song. And on architecture, you have to have the foundation, which has a rhythm, a structural rhythm in order for it to, to sustain itself. Um, also the texture, uh, the texture of a guitar playing through a bulb of an amplifier, or the texture of a wooden um, uh, floor or a, a wooden wall. Um, they both work with um, this concept I like to call it. it's mass space. It's a Japanese concept, which is like the transition from one place to another. So when you're entering, for example, an exterior space into an interior space, you have this uh, psychological, emotional transition between and I, I believe in music, you also have these uh, tiny um, silence moments between a versus and a chorus or a bridge and these kind of transitions uh, work between them. And and the most important one uh, for me, and, and it relates also to the what my kind of architecture and my kind of music is the importance of silence. As Brian Eno says, like the, the quest of removing notes from a song, it's the most difficult thing to do. And on architecture, uh, Mies van der Rohe, like the father of minimalism, has always worked with removing elements. So uh, I think both uh, on, on my case, the, the intention is to have this void, this emptiness, so we can feel uh, relaxed while listening to my music or while visiting a space. Uh, from my designs. Texture is easy to understand with both architecture and music. Rhythm, for me, less so in terms of art. Obviously, with music, that's easy to understand, but not so much with architecture. What's a foundation? What's a rhythmic foundation? 
Uh, well, for example, on a, on a project, for, for example, this chapel studio, um, the images I showed you, um, it had to have a, a specific uh, rhythm and modulation so the the structure can sustain the all the wooden system and the wooden acoustic system so you have to have a a specific modulation every um, two meters uh, so you can get uh, the modulations and the panels you and you have to understand how the uh, wooden panels and the dimensions in order to fit them uh, acoustically structurally into the building so it needs like a, a like analogy the rhythm and the and the modulation yeah okay i can kind of see that the space apart things like that the sort of um have rhythmic connotations that does make sense i mean you know we'll talk about music but i've never talked to an architect on tnt before so i'm a little obsessed about that of course, aspect of, of it for a second <laughs> I, I mean what's it i mean the, that studio you showed me is incredible you know some of the buildings you've made what's it like seeing something go from being like a plan you're drawing and you're and you're you know sort of uh conceptualizing to seeing the actual structure go up and how often, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, nothing's perfect. There must be mistakes. How dis I mean, which are harder to fix, obviously, when you're when you're talking about a building. I've heard stories of architects killing themselves. I forget who, but somebody in New York built this amazing building and it was imperfect. I think even like the World Trade Centers were imperfect, or there's there's imperfections in those buildings. And I heard about suicide and stuff like that. I mean What's it like being an architect and seeing something you've conceptualized become actualized? Um, it's really, it's really interesting. It's um, and now with the, with technology, designing technology nowadays, you can visualize space exactly as it's gonna be, like one three D renderings and animations. So it's it's a really interesting process to see how your two D sketch. Uh, can become a 3D uh, model and then afterwards like a complete rendering and then physically to see the space uh, materialize as you designed it. And obviously, as you say, there are always some uh, imperfections which you have to con concede. Um, but I think the more you try to think of all the elements you need to include and and to don't so you don't avoid leaving anything to the unknown or, or that the builder does an an unresolved issue you have to be very meticulous on working in every detail so it's um almost as real as you design it or visualized it what about the relationship with ai you're talking about you know 3d renderings and now it's a lot more exact in the concept phase is does ai play a part can you just enter a prompt saying i want this building to be like this this and that and that and will it bust out a whole architectural landscape for you is it easier now i mean is ai factoring into this work at all yes it's entering i haven't uh, entered it so much because i'm kind of skeptic and a bit of um afraid that like some intelligence takes over the uh, creative human process 
but uh, now you can there are programs where you can um ask ai to render an intention of our feeling and i want to have this uh, say japanese vibe with a minimalism style and it creates uh, an animation or a 3d rendering uh, with its intelligence so it's interesting i think it's um it can be positive but it also can have these uh, negative connotations where your human factor isn't um working on the on the project anymore it's probably as if you ask an ai system to draw an idea of a, of a painting you want to do and it comes something that it's, it's not you now they've uh, people have sent me those before actually I, I was surprised I was kind of flattered in a way uh there's like uh uh people have prompted AI to paint in my style and uh, they've sent me the results and you know not bad and is my style it has the similar all this you know the tropes I guess I go to it's funny uh I never would have thought to do that I wouldn't have thought AI knew who i was as a painter but apparently it does we it live does. in a spooky world and uh exactly. we're gonna play some of your or you're gonna play maybe one of your spooky tunes right after these <laughs> words on tnt tnt radio's james freeman we have new revised figures from the office for national statistics showing that legal that's not illegal that's legal net migration to the uk has witnessed one of the largest increases on record three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the uk in the space of just one year a huge number that comes just three years after we left the european union now I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy. But millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. 
That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we're back with architect and singer-songwriter Chris Cohen. He's going to do a song for us called Trauma. Uh, so, Chris, what is the relationship with trauma and your music? You spoke of your brother's death and how that sort of jettisoned you from being a full-time architect into uh, much more of a singer-songwriter. Um, what do you think the function of trauma is in being an artist? Um, I think it's um, the fuel for inspiration. Um, I also think... Um, we need to approach um, trauma as a as a tool and as a way to get inside ourselves. Um, sometimes we avoid uh, difficult emotions and and we want to like don't face these uh, dark holes we need to get into in order to heal ourselves. So um, I believe the more we, we work on getting inside ourselves, the more we can heal. And so the more we need to face and see our trauma, not, not as a negative connotation, but as a, almost as our friends to, to get inside and to heal ourselves. Bearing our own cross, and then that way we resolve our own trauma and maybe help others resolve theirs through the power of our music so anyway this is a song called trauma take it away excellent far away every day distance from ourselves Not to care what others say Mine seems always hurt Remember when Mirror laughs without yourself at night to go back Wipe and see a smile A voice that cracks Inside your head It's okay to cry There is your friend, acknowledge and say hi. Open your scars, mirror us again now from inside the helium wound. that you survive 
bring his cars Let the healing start Trauma by Chris Cohen. Wow. When did you write that? That's a new song, you said. Yes, that's a new song. Um, I've work, been working on it for the last couple of months and will be part of my next um, album next year. And you define your music as shoegaze. Why, why do you think you venture in that direction? Is it because, it, like you said, the minimalism, um, the space within it? Um, yes, probably that's a very nice way to put it. And, and I think, um, although I don't like labeling like the genre of my music, um, it's probably the closest uh, uh, style uh, I can fit my music into. Also, it has a, like a dreamy vibe. Um, with ethereal vocals, uh, but always playing uh, like minimalism, uh, protagonism of vocals or instruments, so it all, all blends together. Hmm. And when you're putting your music out nowadays, how, what's your relationship like with marketing and social media? I mean, this is like now, these days, we have to wear so many different hats in terms of getting our stuff out there. What's your relationship like with that? Um, it's a, it's as I think you have to see social media or well, at least I try to see it also as a part of uh, the creative process and to see how you can connect um, with more with more people. Um, I think it's all, all also a bit dangerous because you sometimes you can get lost um, on on the on the message or on on trying to connect with more followers instead of trying to approach what you really mean. And in my case, uh, I've always uh, done the music for me so I, I can listen to it. I, I really enjoy listening to my music. And I think that's an important part to, to, to share so, so you don't get too lost on trying to please uh, some um, tendencies or styles that are working um nowadays but like to remain on what's genuinely beautiful for you you mean you don't hate yourself you actually like your music wow that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really do yeah you don't like your music your music is beautiful yo <laughs> thank you man no i'm kidding i i make jokes but you know it's a battle it's like it's it's an internal struggle all the time i mean i'm, I'm that's why i'm fascinated about asking people how they overcome things like procrastination I, I was having a conversation with james hall earlier today who's been on this show and he's a legendary rock and roll singer songwriter and he was talking, I think we were talking about procrastination, and he said, you know where procrastination comes from, don't you? Uh, and, and, uh, and I said, where? And he said, trauma. And um, mm -hmm. I also heard that clutter is a symptom of trauma. And if I put the camera to my desk right now, you might think I'm traumatized because it's very <laughs> cluttery. I, I actually, my plan tonight is to, after the radio show, declutter and 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 set the, set the studio up for um 
you know, for, for maximum creativity and, and getting over procrastination and over clutter. I mean, you're somebody who obviously thinks a lot about spaces. Do you have issues with keeping your space clear? What's your relationship with recording music and preparing the space to do that? Um, yes, I always, in my home, I, I really enjoy removing elements. It's always like very minimalism as my designs. And But the funny thing about my stu my music studio, it, like it's a bit chaotic and also a bit cluttery. I try to remove elements, but I don't know why in, in the case of music, like I enjoy having lots of stuff and wires and it's kind of messy and it, it, I don't know, in some way it helps me for the, like to create, to, to feel like I'm surrounded by lots of elements. And, and where do you get most of your inspiration from? I mean, you're living in Mexico City. That, I've never been to Mexico City. I've been to San Miguel. I've been to Todos Santos okay. a bunch. I love Mexico. And I always come. hear, I have some friends who live in Mexico City, and I always hear it's, it's a great city for art. Um, is that the case? Do you take inspiration from living there? Uh, yes, yes, I take a lot of inspiration from living here, but I think most of my inspiration come from books and from movies. I, I really like uh, reading and, and watching movies, uh, not only like to, to turn on the TV, but really watching like the new Alexander Payne movie or the new um, Tarantino movie or uh, whatever. And, and these movies like create some they, they awake some uh, inspirations in me and I, I always like write a couple of notes when I'm watching a movie or a book and then afterwards uh, I like develop the song around an idea. Uh, for example, uh, Melancholia, one of my uh, latest uh, songs, uh, was inspired by Melancholy, uh, Lars von Trier movie Melancholia. And, and lyrics have a bit about it, also like the, my awareness message, but um, they take a lot of uh, inspiration um, according to, to what I want to say and to what uh, my awareness messages and or spams between them. Uh, for example, mm -hmm. um, my latest EP, which is titled When That Is Good News, um, the title was came from a book I was reading from a, a Tibetan monk. Uh, I forgot the name of the book, but uh, it spoke about changing our perspective on death, and that's how the title and, and lyrics developed around it. What's your relationship with spirituality? You're reading books by monks. Do you believe in God? Or um, you spoke about meditating and everything like that, but. Um, what do you have? A, do you are you a Christian? What's your faith? Um, I believe there is a God. I I was um, baptized as a Catholic, but I'm I don't go to church. Um, when I got married, I did a Hindu ceremony. So I I think I've taken a lot from different religions. Um, I I really believe there on on the source and the cosmos and. Uh, the Joe Dispenza philosophy and also the same philosophy. So I, I'm, I'm not married to any specific religion, but I, I really believe 
uh, there is a force and that we are connected to uh, something greater that connects us all and, and, and in this uh, plane of Earth. When you say Joe dispends a philosophy, I guess that means you believe you can manifest your reality? Um, yes, and also uh, like the quantum, the quantum meditation and the quantum philosophy that we are like only five or ten percent uh, matter and the rest is energy. So I, I believe we are all much a much greater energy uh, connected in the cosmos than just like our physical bodies. So how do you clear, clear your energy field? I mean, do you do his meditations? Yes, I do meditations like three times a day. I, I go to nature, I, I connect with nature a lot. I, I like running marathons. So uh, four time or five times of the day of the week, I go running. Uh, I do a lot of yoga. Um, I think my, my spirituality and energy moving, it's around meditation, running, which is like a meditation motion, and also journaling, which is like a, a writing meditation. So you run marathons, you've run more than one marathon, and what, what's your time like, and how do you train for one? Because that's a goal of mine, and I went on a run today, I, I run barefoot in the park. I actually killed it this morning, because I did cold plunge and infrared ah, nice. then, then Bikram, and then right after Bikram, I went on a run in the park barefoot, and it was great. But I don't run that much. I run like a half hour, and I'm good. How do you okay. run super long distances? How do you train? Uh, it's a, a gradually process. For I've I've done um, nineteen marathons so far. Wow. Um, yeah, like once every year, and I've never repeated one. So, so my wife runs too. So we go like on a honeymoon process every year to different cities, and we get to to know uh, uh, the cities on a different scale because you're running on a way designed for a car. So you get, as an architect, you get to see uh, different perspectives. Um, but. To, to train for a marathon, you have to start like gradually. It's almost like a four month process and you start running like uh, four days a week. Probably Tuesday you do a couple of sprints. Uh, the Wednesdays is like an easy run, like a 40 minute run. Uh, Thursday at tempo. So you, you run 40 minutes, but really fast. And then on Saturdays, for example, is normally the run, long run. So you probably start week number one with, uh, I don't know, um, six miles. And then week number two, eight miles. Week number three, 10 miles. And then you go up to, um, it's like 30K, which probably like 15 miles. And then you go, the, the last month it's called tapering, which like it's going down on the intensity. And then you're ready to go. You should do one. It's amazing, an amazing journey, Joe. What kind of, I'm going to do it, I think. I, I run barefoot a lot because I started using those Vibram barefoot yeah. shoes. And, I and love barefoot running. Yeah, the philosophy is they actually are protect Branding. your knees and your hips because if you're running on the big padded shoes, you're like going, jing, jing, jing on your feet. You're less sensitive. 
And if you run barefoot, you have to run more gazelle-like, and that sort of protects exactly. the structure of your body. Is that how you run, or do you run yes. with the big padded shoes? No, no, no. I run with the what you're uh, mentioning. It's called natural running. That you have to almost like you with your naked and bare feet. So you land with your uh, midsole, and you're like a gazelle, like a tiny bird that you almost don't listen to your feet pounding. And that's mm -hmm. the best way to run. Yeah. What times have you gotten? What's your best marathon time? Uh, my best one was last year. It was a big bear marathon. It was uh, two hours, 57. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's insane, man. That's yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. And But the first one I did, I, it's it was on New York and it was four hours uh, seven so it's almost like an hour ten difference in a gap of uh, i started running my first marathon in 2007 so wow it has been quite a journey was there a point and we got to go to a break but was there a point where you, you like broke on through to the other side like jim morrison said i mean like how do you go from four hour plus marathon times to 250 i mean was there a point where your lungs just you had some kind of crazy level of endurance um probably uh, uh, i entered with a, a running coach and program and from that i i had like 345 and from that i went to 309 which was almost like a 40 minute uh, bridge and it was mm. training a lot doing a lot of strength uh, nutrition also came a really important part so you don't uh, sore your muscles and and it's a, a lot of factors that start to tweak and and make you like a faster running to, to learn to breathe the cold therapy also helps a lot and yeah, yeah it's 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 but mostly it's, you had a you have to commit i think that's the most important part commitment is everything we'll be right back after these words on tnt Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Winter is going to reclose in on Europe and the United States. The United States had a very warm Christmas, but if you looked at the weatherbell.com analogs that we put out back in March for how we thought this was going to evolve, a lot of this is based on our climate hypothesis having to do with the underwater geothermal venting that's going on. It predicted almost perfectly the Christmas temperature across the United States, with it being warm in the east and central part of the country and cold in the west. It also is predicting a cold January, February, and March, and this is coming for much of the southern and eastern United States. It's also coming for Europe. You folks in Europe, get ready. You can punch the clock. You're about 10 days away from a dramatic change and there is going to be three to four weeks of really, really nasty weather in Europe. Because this is a retrograding pattern, we have something called the quasi-biennial oscillation, which is easterly. What happens is Europe will get very, very cold first. The United States over the next two weeks will be cold from about the central part of the United States, west, east, south, where it'll still be warm in Canada. Then the mother load comes into the United States later in January and February. So we're giving you fair warning now. There is a textbook stratospheric warming event taking place. It was already one. It is leading to the response that's turning it cooler now across the United States. 
But the second one that is coming is the one that can really, really dump the polar vortex into the Great Lakes for a while later in January or February. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we're back with architect, singer-songwriter, and amazing marathoner, as it turns out, Chris Cohen. I mean, what is the relationship with physical fitness and uh, um artistic fitness i mean for me it's it's huge I, I it's such a big part i couldn't just meditate or something i need to be very physical to even get to on the playing field of creativity is that how it is for you is that what led you to being a marathoner um yes probably you're right joe um like the connection is really really deep and it's like a a muscle you have to build uh like the creativity muscle but also like the the fitness muscle and, and they're they're very very related uh, i i feel like when i i'm off from a run i'm like really relaxed and and inspired and got uh, the sun um, and the nature and i just like wrap my guitar and start like going in this flow that probably I wouldn't go into if I wouldn't have had a run or so. I find I get a lot of good ideas. Like that's, you know, especially lately, I try to not have headphones on. Obviously in uh, Bikram yoga or yoga classes, you're not wearing headphones. When I go to the cold plunge sauna place, a lot of people have headphones in, maybe they're listening to meditation stuff, that's possible. I, I try not to do that. And, but with running, I was always listening to podcasts or, or tunes, but lately I've been just trying to breathe. And I, I say the Ho'oponopono prayer a lot, which is, I love you. I'm, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. But I feel like the voice of God comes in revelation. You know, you have thought, which is one thing like the chatter, da, 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 da. but revelation is something different. It's like, a, a great inspiration just sort of lands on you. And there's some kind of relationship between taking in a great deal of oxygen and having those moments. Do you find that? Do you run without headphones? Yes. Uh, uh, when I started running, I used to have uh, headphones on and and I used to have my playlist for according for a different marathon. But after a couple of years, one of my coaches said like, stop using music you need to 
like to connect with your breathing, with your to listen how you're landing on your feet. And, and afterwards I started, uh, I stopped like using headphones while running and it really changed my perspective. As you say, like you can hear uh, this uh, moment to go off and to uh, these kind of revelations that wouldn't happen if you're listening to a podcast or to a, an audiobook or a, or an album. So I think it's like connecting more with your with your inner voice and, and and your spirituality and your God when you're like completely in silence uh, while doing a, a run and also with nature. Isn't it a connection with a personal God when you're in, in that zone? I mean, it feels intimate. Like when you're pushing yourself physically, there's a communication going on with with a sort of a personal God. Do you find that to be the case? Yes, totally. I completely feel the same way. Right. It's real interesting. I don't know, man. You've inspired me to, to go deep into it. I, I, I might even go on another run tonight. I like... I like the barefoot runs because of grounding and, and exactly. there's a documentary on YouTube called grounding or earthing, I think. And uh -huh. it's all about how deep, uh, you know, how deeply he healing it is to be grounding because especially that we live in this sort of our device is always on us and we're in, in this negative electricity all the time, the grounding attacks uh, inflammation and, and just is, is enormously healing there's all kinds of peer-reviewed studies on it as well it's not just woo-woo science yeah exactly I, I also really enjoy like the barefoot uh, running when I'm at the beach I always like do this uh, barefoot runs and and on the city sometimes I take my shoes off and <laughs> it's a bit uh, more dangerous because you have to be aware of glasses or anything but it's part of uh, being connected as you say to to remove all this electricity we have all, always like surrounding ourselves are you going to do a barefoot marathon you think yes I, I, I want to do it I, I, I have you have to train because um, like your feet like uh, with such a distance could get hurt but um so far my longest run has been uh, 19k barefoot so it's almost like half a marathon uh, but yes uh, eventually i would love to do one um barefoot marathon as a as a challenge as an, an interesting exercise i think it's the way forward i want to try it anyway listen play us another song what do you got for us uh, this one's called Melancholia. It's from my uh, latest EP, and it was inspired by Last Frontier movie. And it has this uh, quote, um, it's only life every day we die. So uh, another reminder and, and to see like it, it, that isn't that bad and that's we're only like passing through. Melancholia. <laughs> Fades on planet 
And every day we die melancholy. Do you like to be mel- uh, the feeling of melancholy, or do you think emotions are evil? Um, I really like the feeling of melancholy. I can um, tell you do. <laughs> That's why I asked you. Yeah. Um, probably, I, I think there's an, uh, an interesting connotation between. Um, happiness and sadness being at the same time. And I think me, uh, melancholia is ex- exactly like the, the, the concept of being able to feel both. And, and it's an, like a nice, beautiful thing. I'm not sure. I'm not a fan of being melancholy. I know it's like <laughs> sort of intense, but it feels like it rouses up my ego. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's not peaceful. It's like okay. emotion. It's emotional. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, it's emotional. Yeah, but I, I think if uh, on, on my case, if I see it like a, I know it's there and I know I'm feeling it, but I, I can see it as a on, like on a perspective. So it has this nice um, like melancholic vibe. Um, probably. But- um, on on in the sun i feel i feel the same when i listen to your song uh, mm-hmm. in the sun i feel this uh, nostalgia um, i danced to that song with my wife uh, 15 years ago and, and and i still like i was listening to today earlier and and i get this feeling of like happiness but also a bit of sadness at the same time but in a a peaceful beautiful way i don't know how how to describe it and how long have you been married 
15 years now. Okay. Yes, and so we've been together 22, and we run marathons wow. together. So it's like a nice connection. Is, so when you said you danced with her to that song 15 years ago, was that on your wedding day? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, yes. On the it was a uh, like a I don't know, two hundred people wedding, and with like the, our song, we dance on the on the dance floor like before every every the the party starts. Everybody. We dance too in the in the sun. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. Love it, was, it. it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> Do you have any kids? No, no. We decided to not to have kids. Uh, we have our dog, which is like our our kid but um i don't know if at the beginning we we weren't like so sure and then we always said like after the next marathon after the next marathon and then like i probably like six or seven years ago we're like we're really happy like this um we're enjoying uh, as a couple like going on our trips to to run our marathons and i'm also like very um fond of uh, taking care of the planet so i don't want if i, oh, I, I bring man, a kid on. Don't, <laughs> I don't, <know>. don't <laughs> believe that you got to go with what elon musk says we have to populate we we're we're, uh, we're not uh, apparently the population will swell but then it'll rapidly decline because people are not having uh, enough babies so it's a shame that you're not making babies man it's it's the greatest thing ever it's also the most difficult thing so i can't I judge can't you <laughs> but uh you know i don't know you're missing out maybe but then again you're running marathons under three hours so that's crazy um <laughs> exactly we got a break so tell everyone where to find you chris um, well, we're on my social media, it's uh, Chris underscore K-O-E-H-N, and that's where I mo share most of my, uh, on Instagram, like my, um, my music, my architecture, my runs. Uh, I always try to inspire people, not only on, on my designs, on my music, but also on the way of living, of living present fully and enjoying every moment. So you, you can get a, a, a sum of inspiration over there. And also you can listen to my music on, on all the uh, digital platforms as Chris Cohen. All right, Chris Cohen, thank you for coming on. Thanks for inspiring us. You're going to inspire me to dig deeper in the barefoot runs and maybe do this half marathon. Maybe you'll have to come out. We got to go. We'll be right back with more. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll be right back with more after these words on TNT. Mm -hmm.